Hello. I'm looking at things in the house flipper workshop and oh, nice. yelling them at Anya. Is this our new podcast format? Yes. Yes. It's a format where I talk to you and then periodic- periodically yell things about house flipper to Anya. <laughs> uh, the house flipper report. Yeah. Tuning in to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. I am your host, Brian. You can find me on Twitter at RoomwarePod and the show on Twitter at Gay Space Pod. With me, as always, is my Aquafresh co host, August. Oh no, I fucked it up so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Funky and aqua and fresh, and my name is August, and that is possibly the whitest thing I have ever said, but either way, hello, I'm making finger guns. My pronouns are they, them, and I can be found on the Twitter at HarpyDora. Uh, um, this week, I, <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know if there's any real Steven Universe news, I haven't seen anything, um... But in uh, personal Steven Universe news, my DVDs finally came. <gasps> That's exciting. I'm very excited about it. Mary's going to bring it by when she gets off of work tonight. And I'm excited to see how pretty this thing is because it looks very pretty uh, in the pictures on the internet. Uh, you'll uh, have to take your own pictures and put them on the internet for me to see. It's true. I probably will. I'll probably put them on our Twitter. Um, August. Yes. Have you watched any Steven Universe? No, wait, you have cartoons. (laughs) That's the thing that I ask every time. Uh, no. Um, we've just been sticking to our regular paranormal true crime bullshit with a smattering of, uh, the Welsh twins on YouTube, who are my two favorite himbos on YouTube now. <laughs> what are the Welsh? I don't know what the Welsh twins are. So they're identical twins, James and Robert Welsh. And they, uh, James does uh, YouTubing about like skincare and grooming. And Robert does uh, YouTubing about uh, makeup. Okay. And they have a shared channel because, you know, the things that they do go hand in hand, but they're both rubbish at the other person's thing. And so, like, they do things like uh, trading, uh, like, you know, the skincare brother does the makeup brother's makeup and vice versa. And it's all incredibly silly um, and very tongue in cheek. But also, like, they're both, they're both himbos there's no other way to describe it that's fun that's very fun um i've never seen that channel before i might check what's it called the welsh brothers uh it's welsh twins yeah okay um i've been watching a combination so one thing led to the other i've been watching this like 
video from the corridor crew i don't i'm not going to actually endorse the corridor crew i don't know if they're like good people but the videos are fun um Mm -hmm. where they do either like effects artists react to good and bad cg or like particularly the one i like watching is like stuntmen react to stunts Mm -hmm. um and i've been watching that and i'm like man fucking stunts are sick as shit i love this and then i just started watching the third season of into the badlands again because uh, I had stopped at the third season for some reason, and so I just started watching the third season without what, rewatching season one or two. I'm like, I'll remember enough of it. This show doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you just watch like 40 minutes to get to like the like fucking sick ass fight scene that's in every. Because uh, have you ever watched Into the Badlands? I have not. So Into the Badlands is built on the conceit that it's a post-apocalyptic world, but it's not like a fully destroyed world. It's not like all deserts or wasteland or whatever, just like basically all of society has broken down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it went to hell uh, because of immediately what, like the, all these like uh, air quotes barons popped up uh, and it's just like a shitty hell world, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's not like a destroyed world, just like the hell of this post-apocalypse is just humans. Um, and the cool conceit of it is there are for no reason, no guns. I don't like, it's never explained. I don't care. It just means everybody has to fight hand to hand. Nice. Uh, with like sick ass what like everybody in this fucking world knows fucking some kind of martial art everybody and it's all like the over the top like um like uh crouching tiger style like wire work stuff and it's very good it's not over well okay yeah it's a very over top i just remembered like fucking one of them just jumped like somebody just jumped off of somebody else's like fist earlier um in an episode but it's a good show in, in the sense that, like, it's cool looking. The world is interesting. It has some cool characters. Uh, it makes the good choice of, like, centering, like, um, like a person of Asian descent as the main character, Sunny. Um, it has a decidedly, like, anti-authoritarian, anti, like, um, like, great, like, it's it's not really interested in, like, big leaders or like anyone being having the air quotes right to rule so that's nice Mm -hmm. um there is some weird magic power bullshit that's very early set up and it just like makes no sense and i don't care because it's cool uh (laughs) so so it's it's fun it's a fun show into the bad that does sound fun yeah um it's honestly worth it for just like the fucking sick fights If I could figure out how to run a tabletop game in that world, I probably would. Probably wouldn't be hard, but... Actually, Spirit of 77 would probably be perfect, frankly. That sounds fun. Um, Spirit of 77 sounds like it would be a fun way to do it, but I know that there's some, like... That sounds vaguely wuxia. It is. I didn't know if it was wuxia, so I didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure it's wuxia. Yeah, I don't. I know fuck and or all about Wuxia, but what you're describing sounds like what I have vaguely absorbed of it mm-hmm. uh, through secondhand contact. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's the style. I just don't. I too also don't know enough and don't want to be like this is definitely the thing because I don't know fucker all either. Um. Oh, oh, Nick Frost is in it from like season two forward. 
Oh, fun. Yeah, and he does, like, some sick fucking karate. It's great. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I think part of it is him doing it. Probably not all of it. Like, you know. Uh, but it, it seems like he, he does a pretty good amount of the, uh, uh, of, like, whatever martial art he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He fights in a very, like, Jackie Chan style of just, like, throwing shit at people the whole time. Oh. It's very fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Uh don't think we have anything else to cover oh yeah uh in the between so if you're listening to this like fucking by the time this episode comes out uh it will be like inaugur it will be inauguration day uh, yes it will be as president yes um maybe we'll see we'll uh see. we're not making any uh we're not making any bold predictions for only seven days away from today, uh, because yeah. 2021 has come out of the fucking gate, baby. Um, yeah. But uh, I will say that, A, uh, you've listened to the show, you know where the fuck we stand on a lot of these things. Um, and B, uh, th- there is absolutely no reason to stop uh any of the actions that you've been taking over the last four years because you need to hold the Democrats feet to the fire because they won't do shit without you yelling at them. They're the Democrats. That's what they do. Nothing until you yell and then the bare minimum. (laughs) So keep yelling at the Democrats, even though they've won. You, you can take a little bit of a breath. If you, after, if things are okay, you can take a breathe. We've earned a breather. But after that, we need to get back in the in the game. So no brunch, only a single mimosa. Just like take a breath, do a shot, get back in the fucking pit. <laughs> um, all righty. So after on that fun note, uh, this week we are covering episodes 43 Right. Yeah. 43, Mm -hmm. 44 and 45 maximum capacity, marble madness and roses scabbard. So also it has been brought to our attention um, because I was just following the wiki this whole time. The wiki is the intended release schedule as detailed by um, uh, Ian Jones quarterly, who was the I believe the executive director for the show up until season three. Um. So this is actually not the original release order, which we're running into problems now with my fucking uh, HBO Max feed. I do wonder what the order of the we're going to see what's on the order of the DVDs Uh, until now. What we're going to continue doing is going off the Steven Universe wiki's list of episodes for season one. If this is the episode, if this is how they intended to release them, this is how they intended the story to happen, which makes sense because. After Rose's Scabbard, apparently the actual air date shit, what happened is Rose's Scabbard premiered, and then the next day they went in, they started into the final four episodes of the finale. It's like, wow, way to give nobody a fucking breather after that. Holy shit. So it makes way more sense that Open Book, Shirt Club, and Story for Steven came after Rose's Scabbard, because narratively you would want to give your audience a little bit of a fucking breather after all of this shit. Before you moved into the, the finale, you know? Um, so, so anyways, going forward, 
if you're confused about it, that's what we're going to be doing. We honestly didn't know we were doing that because that's just what the wiki said. And I never scroll down to the bottom of the wiki. <laughs> so um, anyway, starting off with episode 43, Maximum Capacity. Uh, it was written by Hillary Florido or written and storyboarded by Hillary Florido, uh, Katie Mitruff and Rebecca Sugar. Um, the official, God, they're just getting worse. Uh, this one is not so bad. Anyways, the official synopsis, a cleanup job reunites Greg and Amethyst with their favorite cheesy sitcom, Little Butler. Uh, one more sentence is all I require, right? Like, that's a good start. Anyways. Yeah. Greg and Steven are walking with a cardboard cutout of Greg advertising the summer wax special. Uh, Steven is going on about uh, the fireworks are going to be happening soon. He's talking about all of his favorite fireworks. Um, Greg is lamenting about how the uh, summer sale didn't really happen, but he doesn't he can't really bear to throw himself out. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to close this ad. <laughs> this Metal Gear ad is very distracting on the wiki. <laughs> Um, uh, Steven eventually asks Greg, uh, what his favorite firework is. Greg doesn't really have an answer. He says his favorite thing about the fireworks is watching them with Steven. Steven is very touched by this. Uh, they get to the storage unit, open the door, and that motherfucker is full, packed all the way wall to wall. Um, Greg delicately hangs a hose on a, a protruding object and then everything falls out. Greg's like, oh, man, this is a real mess. I haven't really cleaned this up since like, implying that he hasn't cleaned it out since uh, Stephen's mother became Stephen. I was going to say died, but she didn't die. She just morphed into Stephen. This, <laughs> you know, you know how it is. It's Stephen. It became non-existent. Yeah. You know. Stopped. Stopped being. Um uh, he says that, you know, with, what with the new year happening, uh, it's time maybe to make our new start. Uh, he's like, oh, man, I don't know where to start. And Steven's like, I know just the gym who can help us. And he runs off and returns with Amethyst for some reason. And Greg's like, uh, I thought you were going to get Pearl. And he's like, no, nah, we're not going to get Pearl. Amethyst knows all kinds about all kinds of shit about garbage. Uh, so Amethyst starts air quotes, helping uh, Greg and Steven sort through all of the things. Um, Steven very helpfully creates like a, a, um, keep cell burn pile. Um, some Marie Kondo vibes coming out of our little dude. Uh, he, uh, but Amethyst is not really getting rid of anything, kind of encouraging Greg to hold on to a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Steven does find a, uh, whole bunch of books, uh, keeping the continuity that Steven is in fact been grounded from TV and continues to just read books. Um, in the wreckage, uh, Greg finds a smashed picture of him and Rose, the one that we saw in the first episode in Laser Light Cannon. I can't remember if that was the first, no, that was not the first episode, but in Laser Light Cannon, the, the, the image that we saw and, um, Amethyst looks somewhat upset, kind of diving deeper into the junk cave, uh, where she comes out with a suitcase full of VHS tapes of an 80s sitcom named Little Butler. Uh, Greg and Amethyst reminisce and then uh, begin watching the television or watching the shows on a television that somehow has power at the back of the storage unit. Uh, 
they kind of fall into it. Uh, Steven sort of like goes, Steve, Greg's like, hey, it's been a long day, Steven. We're going to watch some TV. How about you head on out? Uh, we'll start back on this tomorrow. Uh, cut to tomorrow where uh, Steven is ordering the breakfast special that's only for breakfast uh, from Petey. Uh, Petey's talking about the fireworks, saying that the blue ones are his favorite. Steven is very excited to be seeing this fireworks with his dad because they never miss it. Um... Stephen returns to the storage unit to find Greg and Amethyst still watching Little Butler. Uh, Greg's like, why are you here so late? Stephen's like, it's the next day. And Greg's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we spent so much time doing this. Um, but instead of stopping uh, watching the show, Amethyst sort of encourages Greg to keep watching. And Greg's like, yeah, we'll just meet back up at the fireworks later tonight. Um and Stephen kind of heads on out. Uh, later that night, at midnight, uh, the fireworks are beginning. Uh, I didn't realize it was midnight, but I guess it is because it's New Year's Eve. Uh, the fireworks are beginning. Uh, Steve is beginning to realize that Greg isn't there. He's handing out little trinkets to uh, to Amethyst and, uh, not Amethyst, to Pearl and Garnet. Uh, saying that he and Greg always make noise every year. Uh He's like, I hope Dad and Amethyst show up soon. And, and Pearl's like, wait, why are they coming together? Are they hanging out again? Uh, implying that this has happened before. Uh, and they start talking about how Greg and Amethyst got lost in that dumb show, Little Butler. They would watch it for days and days until one day they just didn't. Uh, and Stephen's like, why? And she's like, well, I don't really know. Uh, the fireworks go off. Greg has missed the event. Um, and Stephen goes to find them. Uh, smash cut over to Greg and Amethyst, who are watching Little Butler. Uh, the show ends, and Greg realizes that he has missed the fireworks. He's very upset at himself. He's like, hey, I gotta leave. Amethyst begins trying to keep Greg there, being like, oh, come on, Stephen, Stephen won't miss you. And he's like, no, Amethyst, I've gotta go. I've gotta be there for my son. Um, and this sets Amethyst off. Uh, Amethyst saying, I used to have somebody who was there for me too, but then she, uh, started hanging out with you. Uh, Greg is like, don't do this again, Amethyst. I really want to hang out with you, but I can't just keep doing this. Um, uh, eventually Amethyst is like, I bet you would stay for her. Greg's like, don't do it. Uh, Amethyst changes. Steven comes into frame. He's like, what are you two doing? Uh, we smash cut to Amethyst, who has transformed into the visage of Rose, um, Stephen gives a speech about uh, how you've got to let shit from your past go, otherwise it's going to basically bury you. Um, Amethyst runs off, and uh, Greg and Stephen turn off the television. The next day, Greg and Stephen return to the storage unit, uh, swearing that they're going to finish the job. Uh, but to their surprise, they find the gyms have pretty much cleaned up the entire unit, Uh putting boxes outside. Uh, they ask, like, uh, Pearl, who's the first one that they meet, they ask if this was her idea, but Garnet comes in saying it was Amethyst's idea. Amethyst uh, kind of comes over and hands, or has a box called Keep. And she's like, I'm, you know, I can keep this stuff at my, at my room. It won't even be noticed uh, in here. You can go ahead and keep this. And he hand, she hands Greg a fixed copy of the photo of him and Rose. Greg thanks her. Uh, the gems return the boxes to the um, uh, temple. Greg and Steven stare at the empty storage unit. Star wipe the end. Oh, boy. Ooh, biggity boy. Uh, oh, boy. 
Uh, my first note is mood, Greg, about Greg not wanting to throw himself out. <laughs> I mean, that's an anti-mood. Like, I want to throw myself out all the time. Um, but I thought that his answer to the fireworks question was really cute. It like, was. A way, man, Greg is a good dad. <laughs> yeah. He's a good dad. He messes up, but he's trying real hard. Yeah. Um, um, God. Also, Greg's storage unit is basically what the inside of my car looks like. I'm not going to lie. Are you okay, Brian? <laughs> I just, I, I spend so much time in my, it's not really, there's not stuff in my car. There's just trash because I spend so much time. I spend probably like 12 hours a week in my car. It's where I eat most of my meals. So, no, I'm oh, not okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's legit. Uh, um, I I ask if you're okay because my note is, sir, are you okay? That is the storage unit of a hoarder. I, I wrote uh, in response to this, hey, August, remember when you talked about Greg's storage unit uh, having some kind of emotional reason? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I told you, just wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg gives off heavy hoarder vibes and heavy depression vibes with all of this and uh i i don't want to say it's nice to be proven right but i'm definitely right so mm -hmm. it's nice it's nice setup and payoff for things because it could have just yeah. been a joke that greg is messy yeah but it gets to the reason why a lot of people do the things that they do like you don't a lot of times your house isn't messy just because you're messy. It's because yeah. it's hard to fucking like get the energy. Like it's hard to have the amount of like energy and executive function to get up and do the thing because like the world is crushing and, and, and awful. Yeah, pretty much. And I thought it, I think it's a nice touch to be like, Hey, there's a reason Greg's like this. Like, is it good yes. that Greg's like this? Mm, probably no. not, but no, it's not just because it's not because he's a joking, like lazy character. You know, he's not lazy. He's trying. Greg's, in fact, trying very hard. Yeah. And I mean, like, he's obviously not lazy because he runs his own business single handedly and mm -hmm. is evidently successful enough to live. Yeah. So, I mean, he can pay. Like, he doesn't pay rent, I guess. Um, but, you know, he but, built that house. He Keeps Steven in food, himself in food. He owns two cell phone plants. Like, he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing okay, as far as we can tell, like, financially. He's never portrayed as as being poor. Yeah. He probably could be better off. Um, I'm yeah. sure he would like to Although, be better off, you know. Let, let me let me just rephrase that, because poor poorness is not associated with laziness. But yeah, like, just because you're poor doesn't mean you're lazy. Right. But yeah, like, that's another interesting thing about the show is, like, Greg is obviously, like, working class, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting, but he's not, like, they are not hard up because Greg is air quotes lazy like Greg works really hard and they're just kind of making it you know they're not hurting yeah. for it but obviously Greg's financial situation will eventually change um but that's really just as a funny plot point not really doesn't have any material effect on the show 
Does it have to do with the uh, will to his uncle's mansion? No, it does not, unfortunately. Though we do eventually meet some of other Greg's other family. Okay. Yeah, we meet his uh, cousin, uncle, something like that. Uh, voiced by uh, Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm sure he's voiced other things, but that's all I know him as. That's a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, I do love how, uh, Greg just assumed it would be Pearl, like everybody in the audience assumed it would be Pearl. Yeah, I assumed it would be Pearl, why too. Why is it I was Pearl? like, <laughs> why Amethyst? And I mean, I guess I understand Steven's reasoning on that one, mm -hmm. because it's like, Amethyst has big messes, so obviously she knows what to do with big messes, but... That's Stephen realizing oh the Amethyst's version of handling big messes is also not good. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. This, the symmetry there, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, my next note was I was literally typing a note about how they missed a solid senior junk joke and then Amethyst knocked it out the park. Why has Amethyst seen Greg's junk? Because she's very clearly not talking about the junk in the in the storage unit. So, my current theory is that Amethyst was was uh, Greg's rebound after Rose. I I, I do transubstantiated. I, we will get. I have a whole section of my notes. It's like, all right, we'll just talk about it. We'll just we're just gonna have to talk about it at the end. <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah. then... Because otherwise, uh, we're just going to get into that, and it's, it's going to be the whole this whole segment. Okay. Um, my next note is that Greg was an alien fucker before Rose is confirmed. Uh, uh, let's see. I, I wrote, uh, how much... August, how much do you want to read that space romance novel? <laughs> I kind of really a lot want to read that. <laughs> Listen, I never said I wasn't either. Uh, I mean, that's fair. It's fair. You did not. Um, so also a thing that I noticed, you know, the totem that's in one of the boxes. Mm -hmm. I think those are all gems. Because uh. if you look at their noses and stuff, they have like the kind of like, like Jasper has a nose that's very similar to one of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that. It's interesting because, like, I, the gems creep into, like, a human iconography in this show. Because, like, yeah, they're, like with, they're older than the humans. Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse about the totem pole, just because it's like, why does Greg have a totem pole? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of casually disrespectful, and then, like altering it in that way also feels kind of gross to me. Yeah. So I'm just not a fan of the, the totem pole in general. That's fair. But Sorry. otherwise, like there's so much environmental storytelling in this, uh, in this particular scene, just because of all the random stuff. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. I just, I just kind of like scrolled forward. Uh, in the episode to, like, find that totem again. So the bottom totem is a gem. The top totem is the bird from the Sky Temple. 
Huh. Uh, Interesting. And then the middle one is some kind of f- probably also a reference to a thing. I'm just not. I'm not. It's not tagging it in my head. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I made a note. Mm-hmm. What is this even for my next note? <laughs> Did you take a me I'm note? Thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking it's probably Little Butler. Uh, probably. I wrote that Steven is a good boy because he's he remembers that he's grounded when no one else seems to remember that he's grounded. Yeah. I like how all of the adults, it's obvious that all of the adults have forgotten that Steven is grounded, except for Steven. And he's the best boy. <laughs> he's very good. Uh, if it is what the fucking referred to Little Butler, I'm like the Little Butler theme slaps. Oh my god. Little Butler. It's a lot. <laughs> it's quite a bit. Uh, I like how I don't know what I like how it's like a combination like the nanny and then like um what's the one that had the um uh, What's the matter, Willis? Like that one. Uh, I don't know. I just remember the nanny. Okay. Yeah, it's because, like, the other one was from the 80s. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Like, I just, the only thing I remember very clearly about the nanny is that the nanny, you know, Fran Drescher's character mm-hmm. and her mother were Jewish, and I remember her talking about her mother wearing a tube top to Temple. <laughs> Just like very clearly in Fran Drescher's voice, just being totally exasperated by her mother choosing to wear a tube top to Temple. (laughs) I'm glad that's your only memory of the nanny. Um, Let's see, I wrote, let's just talk about the fight here in a second. (laughs) Knowing Brian has learned from our our previous experiences. Yeah. Um, um, we're just going to talk God. about those vibes here in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I honestly like most of the. Sky. Come here, Sky. Or don't. That's fine, too. Yeah. Most of the rest of my notes have to do with just like the whole dynamic that Greg and Amethyst have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just got a couple, of, of, a couple of little things, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, the the only thing that isn't is my note about the very end of the episode. But yeah, yeah. go for it. I've got like three other things that are, I assume the breakfast only uh, breakfast special was said to Steven specifically to keep him from ordering hash browns all day long. Yes. <laughs> uh, Either that or there's a breakfast special that involves a hamburger, which is clearly not a breakfast food. Mm-hmm. And so... Steven wants the the special that's only the hash browns with no hamburger. Oh, that's also a good that's also a good option. I just like how Stevie's Stevie's like, yeah, hash browns. <laughs> yeah. He's he's definitely ordering off menu no matter what. I feel like he's ordering off menu and he's the only person who orders hash browns that way. But like that was just my read on it is there's a breakfast special with a non-breakfast food and he only wants the breakfast part which is the hash browns right and it's a very very steven is very particular about his food yes um garnet is in fact a cool dad yes (laughs) 
well, we already knew that when she wore Greg's uh, golf uh, pants. True, but this jacket confirms it now. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> Garnet is now captain of wife, city, and the coolest dad. Yes. Um, Pearl looks so cute in that sweater. She does. And, like, she's so cute when she's, like, quote-unquote making noise because it's just, like, she's so bad at being loud. Right. It's very adorable. Yes. It gave me heavy Fluttershy vibes Mm -hmm. because there's an episode where Fluttershy, who is a very soft-spoken pony, tries to learn how to be loud and she just can't do it. Um, all right, we're here. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, so let's talk about, let's go through it. Let's start at the start. So the vibes, they're weird. They're bad vibes. We're already, we have already begun seeding the bad vibes, and we will be reaping them. Yeah, this is, like, my, my current take on this whole mess is, like, Greg and Amethyst ended up in very similar places after Rose stopped existing. Mm -hmm. And because they are kind of similar people with kind of similar, um, like, quirks or idiosyncrasies, like, they started hanging out together and probably fucked. But Amethyst may have, like, I don't know if she, like, wanted more out of the relationship than Greg was willing to give or if Greg realized that this wasn't good. And I think that the reason why Greg doesn't like shape-shifting is because Amethyst did the exact same thing and shape-shifted into Rose when Greg wasn't expecting it or Greg didn't want it, and that's why they stopped hanging out suddenly. Yeah, that that definitely seems to be the implied thing. Uh, they did kind we'll learn eventually that they kind of ran in a little friend group that involved some other people that we'll meet eventually in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, like that that's sort of like how they initially came to hang out, but they did definitely kind of like run in the same crowds. Uh, obviously, you know, they had the connection with Rose. And I'm, I believe that is spot on exactly what, what is implied to have happened in their past. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. They're so bad for each other. Yeah. Um, although I do enjoy... Showing that two people can be bad for each other without being, like, abusive. Right. Like, these two people just don't need to be hanging out together unsupervised because they bring out the the worst parts in each other's nature. But that doesn't mean that they're, A, bad people, or B, treating each other poorly. They just aren't good together. I think, I think honestly, the, the end part of this show is maybe them moving. I think what happened is that they had the big argument, then they never talked about it. So they could never move past that moment. And so they mm-hmm. were brought back to that moment to like just before that moment with the television show and everything. I don't think they can necessarily not be friends or not hang out together alone. But I think they never addressed the issues that they were having so they were never Mm -hmm. able to move past it now that they they have in a sense or maybe they will it's implied that there's some growth and healing happening at the end of the episode you know um yeah but uh yeah they are not good for each other like especially in a romantic sense like super duper yeah and i think it's just because like greg was hurting there were just two people who were hurting and 
they wanted the other one to fix the issue for them. Or maybe I think maybe I don't necessarily think that's what Greg I say that without thinking. I don't think that's what Greg was actually looking for. I think Greg was just like looking for comfort when he was hurting. Mm-hmm. And Amethyst wants somebody to fix the issue for her. Uh, and I yeah. think that's what where the 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 hit is. Yeah. But God, I that scene at the end when uh, Amethyst turns into Rose, it's just like I love how messy Amethyst is because it's like I love how messy Pearl is, too. But like that was just like that was some next level shit. Like she knew exactly what she was doing, just like at the kindergarten. She knew exactly what she was doing when she was trying to goad Pearl into a fight. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Oh my God. She just wants to fucking fight because it's all she has. It's the outlet that she knows enough to like be able to let her emotions out with. Yeah. And the fucking art, like, I like how, like, everything about that scene, it's heavy and real. They're not pulling punches at at all, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're seeing it sort of through Steven's eyes, so there's a little bit of, like, context that's not there, but you, like, all the adults in the room know what the context is, you know? Yeah. Um, and even without the context, you understand what's happening you don't need we don't we don't know for our theory about what happened is not probably not what happened who knows who cares it doesn't fucking matter right like mm-hmm. but you know you know what happened on a on uh, like in a general enough sense to know that some something broke bad real hard one's pushing the other person's boundaries intentionally to be mean because they want a response um mm-hmm. and uh just like sound design, art design, the turn to the reveal is just like a whole fucking it's so fucking like hard cuts. Like the art on here is like on fucking point. Yeah. Um Steven's whole speech is a great. The Steven speech this time around. Like Yes. It's I like it because it's clearly relevant to the lesson here that Greg and Amethyst must learn. They've got to move past Uh, their past. (laughs) But also the way that Steven gives it indicates that he does not understand exactly what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, it's interesting to see that because he is so good at picking up on things, you know, because he's got the empathy power and I believe that he may have been using it this entire time on everybody um, because we know that he's good at reading people. So it is kind of interesting that he doesn't pick up on that here. And I almost wonder if that's just because like, I think he's picking up on it, but he doesn't know why. Hmm. Like, I think he's picking up on what the emotions are. He's not, like, even if he didn't have empathy powers, he's not, like, he he can experience the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's making the conclusions with the information that he knows, the experiences that he has. He doesn't know enough to know what a messy, like, a messy, what whatever messy relationship they had before, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to say breakup, and I don't even think that's what happened. <laughs> like... I don't know if yeah. you can even define what what previously happened is that. But he doesn't have enough of a lived experience to know that's what happened. But he does he does know enough context to know this is about something in their past. Like, this is, they're stressed out about it. And he just kind of, like, jumps to the conclusion that he has. 
I also wrote, can I get this Steven speech tattooed on my back? <laughs> like, I feel like this is the nicer version of the Morty, like, take all your shit down to the shit store. Yes. <laughs> like, speech. 100%. But also, like... Again, I Rick know. and Morty I... stealing from Steven Universe. Fight me, Rick yeah. and Morty fans. <laughs> I, I do still think that Steven, because he demonstrates in uh, Rose's scabbard that he kind of has a blind spot when it comes to the things that people feel about his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, that's why I think maybe he's not, you know, intentionally or unintentionally leaning on the empathy that he has because it's like this is a blind spot for him because it definitely involves his mother. There's no way to avoid yeah, it. Yeah, he know he knows that's what's maybe he there's also the possibility that he's intentionally not probing in that sense. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to know what like he I think that the idea of Rose scares Stephen. Um Yeah. It, it, in a sense. And so maybe like because we're we're going with the theory that Steven is uh sub like unconsciously using his empathetic powers. Uh they're just happening all around him. He doesn't know that he's doing it, you know? Um yeah. maybe this is just like a reactionary pullback because he's he, he's you know, he does he's scared of this knowledge of his mom because there's so many bad feelings wrapped up with everybody's mm-hmm. good feelings about her, you know? Yeah. Um so maybe it maybe it's partially that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, though uh, we're making we're stamping it canon. Greg and Amethyst defo fucked. Yeah, I love how uh, Pearl and Garnet do not realize that's what happened. Maybe Garnet does. Maybe Garnet is like, mm, I'm just not going to future vision any of that. I don't do not want to see that. Yeah, yeah, that's entirely possible. Um, and I mean, I feel like at least in Pearl's case, she doesn't necessarily have any particular interest in like humans or human sexuality in that way. Mm -hmm. So it's maybe one of those things where like she may assume Amethyst would be the same way. Could be, could be. Uh, I think Pearl is not interested in it, but I think Pearl is very aware of it as we will find out as the show goes on. Fair. Um, But yeah, Heavy fucking, heavy way to start the fucking week this week. Yeah. And the most, like, like, there's other, we've had heavy moments up until now. This is, like, a really visceral, just, like, not really heavy, just very uncomfortable. Because it's just two yeah. people being uncomfortable. Like, it's it's a masks off, claws out fucking two people having a really bad, disagree- like, argument, you know? Yeah. And, like... Amethyst is super in the fucking wrong about what she's doing here. Let's not uh, make any bones. Oh, yeah. Like she's definitely like pushing well past Greg's boundaries, even though he's asked her to stop multiple times. But also, she's intent. She knows she's doing that because she's wanting to be an asshole because she wants Greg to yell at her. I think. Yeah. Like she wants to be the bad guy. All right. Do we have anything else about maximum capacity? Uh, my final note was that it was very sweet of Amethyst to like do this as a way of trying to undo her fuck ups. Yeah. I think, I think it's meant to be like an, like 
like people trying to like be like Amethyst is like I real like is slowly realizing that like she can't fucking she she's got to actually you know talk to people and have emotions that aren't just being mad. Yeah. So I think that's good. Good companion piece to to uh, on the run. Okay. Moving on to episode 44, Marble Madness. Uh, this one was written by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu. The official synopsis, Steven and the Crystal Gems encounter a droid from space. Just, Jesus they're Christ. Getting, they're getting so much worse. Oh, my God. You can add they another sentence it. without hurting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The episode opens with Stephen and Connie on the beach. Connie is introducing Stephen to her favorite book series, The Spirit Morph Saga. The series is about a witch named Lisa and her familiar of a falcon named uh, Ar- Archimede Archimus. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Do you remember how it's pronounced? A R C H I M I C A R U S. Archimicarus? Archimicarus, that's it. That's it. I could not pronounce it. I do not, not know why. Um, yeah, it's Archimicarus. Uh, as she uh, as she goes on a request to rescue her father, uh, Connie talks up the series and begins reading the story to Stephen. Uh, as she's reading it, we hear a couple of, like, uh, rumblings, and then finally something giant crashes out of the sky. Uh, it turns out to be a big old droid, like a giant version of the droids that Peridot was using before. Uh, it begins walking when Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl burst out of the temple and begin to quickly um, dispatch it. It blows up into goo. Um, uh, Stephen asks Garnet what the droid w- wanted to to do and Garnet's like don't know don't care it's dead now uh and then everybody gets covered in goo uh, in the next scene um Connie it gets a call uh, her mother calling her down saying that universe boy uh is on the phone uh Steven begins talking to Connie about unfamiliar familiar uh which is what I thought the name of the the book series was what uh, was unfamiliar familiar um Apparently, it's called the Spirit Morph Saga. It's called the Unfamiliar Familiar Saga. I'm pretty goddamn sure is what they keep referring to it as in the show. Anyways, um, Stevens like, is talking about how he's read the book um, and how stuff isn't making sense. And Connie's like, are you reading them in order? And he's like, wait, there's an order? And Connie's like, oh, my fucking God. And then there's a sonic boom. Uh, interrupting them. Uh, the crystal gems run to the balcony and notice that another droid, uh, another drone has appeared on Mask Island. The mask where, um, or Mask Island is the, the island that Beach Vacation happened on. Um, they rush out there and dispatch the next drone. Um, Steven once again asks what the drone's trying to do, to which Pearl responds that she's unsure, while Garnet is just happy that it's gone. Um, next, we hard cut back to Connie and Steven on the phone. Steven's like, okay, I'm reading the books in order. It's going really good, but I still don't know what a familiar is. Connie is exasperated by this. Um, when yet another rumble comes down, uh, Amethyst appears, lets out a big sigh, saying this is the fifth one this week. Um, 
It's crash landed in the desert. Uh, they warp out, followed by Steven. Uh, Steven finds them all fighting the thing. Everybody's just kind of losing their shit a little bit because they're very frazzled. And finally, Steven suggests like, guys, what are they trying to do? And they're like, we don't know. And Steven's like, it's okay. I never fucking know anything. Why don't we just follow it and figure out where it's going? And the team's like, well, we could do that. We can't. And Argana is like, we can't fight them forever. Well, actually, we can, but I just don't fucking want to. So let's do <laughs> Steven's plan. Um, they hop on top of the drone following its funky fresh flow as it warps to the kindergarten. Uh, when they get to the kindergarten, Pearl freaks the fuck out because it's the kindergarten and is like, I'm going to blow it up. And Steven's like, no, we've got to see what it's trying to do. And Garnet talks Pearl down. Uh, they ride the Robinoid until it reaches a spot uh, where it turn- they jump off. It turns into a giant pyramid thing, soups into the ground, um, turns into an elevator. The gyms all jump on the elevator. They go underneath the um, kindergarten. All of the crystal gyms are very freaked out about this because they never even knew that this was a thing. Uh, they arrive at a control console. Uh, the Robinoid schlorps off a tinier Robinoid. Uh, the Robinoid goes up and, like, slaps its hand onto one of the hand consoles that we've seen before, uh, basically allowing per- Peridot to uh, remote tunnel in. Uh, all the Crystal Gems hide, and they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we need to figure out why she's here. And Steven's like, well, why don't we just ask her? And they're like, no, we can't just fucking do that, Steven. That's not how this works. Uh, so they begin devising a plan, only to turn around and find out that Steven has jumped up and is going to ask Peridot what she's doing. Um Steven and Peridot have a little conversation. Peridot asking uh, Steven what he is. He's like, I'm Steven. She's like, ah, have Steven supplanted humans? He's like, no, there's tons of humans. Uh, There's, uh, what does he specifically say? He lists off his dad. Yeah. Um, There's there's my dad, Connie, Lars, and Sadie, Onion, I think. Uh, That actually becomes very important in like three seasons. Um... And Peridot is like, huh, interesting. He's like, now I get to ask you a question. Uh, what are you doing here? And she's like, finishing what we started. Uh, and then uh, I believe is about to smash Steven uh, into a little paste when the Crystal Gems show up. Peridot's like, who are you? Pearl gives a big Crystal Gem speech and she's like, wait, who? Uh, and then the gems proceed to fuck up Peridot's big old green hands. Um, Peridot's yelling uh, at them like, just let me do this. Um, I'm going in before the screen cuts out. She says, I'm going to report this. Um, Steven, af- after everything's done, is like, hey, guys, sorry, I kind of fucked that little that last part up a bit. And Garnet's like, listen, we learned something new, so it's OK. But also, yeah, you did kind of fuck that last part up a bit. Star wipe the end. Yep. Interesting to note that instead of the standard star wipe, it's a black star moving outward instead of darkness moving inward in the shape of a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's a, boy. Yeah, reverse star wipe, I guess. Uh, true to my word, my notes start with God, these cuties. Oh, my goodness. They're so cute. Um, my first note was, so Connie likes his Dark Materials Harry Potter crossovers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, oh, Connie loves a YA series about a magical girl? Weird. <laughs> I mean, this is seriously, this is just, you know, gender 
gender reversed Harry Potter with his dark materials or you know it's Lyra in Harry Potter but also some of his dark materials is going on around her it's it's totally a crossover of those two oh, properties yeah. oh it's def it's def of those two things um it becomes a little bit different uh because the familiars it, you'll see we get there in okay. open book don't worry well okay it, the series goes some places but it starts off at least at that point um I love how excited Connie is about this thing. Explain this thing to Stephen. It's so uh, cute. When she goes to like, uh, goes to start to read the thing, she has like that little hair flip. It's adorable. It's so cute. Oh my God, they're so cute. They're super fucking cute. Um, Although, uh, we do get confirmation that Connie is an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, I know, right? She's like, oh my God, I love hanging out with you people. <laughs> Um, I like how there's only two people in the world who seem to realize this shit's super fucking weird, and it's Connie and Lars, and they have diametrically opposed fucking reactions to things. Yeah. Well, I mean, Aranon thinks it's all weird, but he's Aranon, He loves so. it, so. <laughs> um, but yeah. The, uh. I think that it's fun that Amethyst is still antagonistic towards Pearl, but in a different way. It's decidedly and more playful now. Yeah. Like, she's still definitely antagonizing Pearl, but, like, instead of trying to bite her or throw shit at her or anything like that, she's like, I'm gonna hug ya. <laughs> I'm gonna get you with the goop. And she does end up hugging Pearl, like... Well, Pearl, technically, you, she hugs Garnet, and then Garnet pulls Pearl into the hug. Oh, wait, no, you're but, right. She's already covered in goo at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Pearl even looks a little bit, like, not weirded out, but, like, a little surprised by it. Yeah. It's very um, cute. The whole interaction is, like, it's very cute from them. It's really good. I love Amethyst and Pearl interactions. Like, this whole, this whole interaction, team interaction, seems... Better and more positive, like than like say our first like our first interactions at the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I love how Steve Stephen doesn't understand how books work, and I was like, how does Stephen not understand how books work? He read a whole series of books, and then I realized, oh the 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 no homeboys i bet are like hardy boys books where it doesn't matter what order you read them in probably um that is super fun though i like like uh connie's face after he's like wait they have an order and <laughs> just like that's such oh, like god. a great fucking face oh god so i had two notes about connie uh, one of them is for all of you homestucks in the audience. Uh, she's definitely a light player based on that shirt that she has. Um, and the second one is like, she's like someone trying to get a normie into her favorite fandom because mm -hmm. Steven, for all the weird stuff that's going on around him, is definitely not a nerd. Right. We're not a nerd in the same way that Connie is because he does watch weird dubbed maybe samurai maybe anime action movies yeah 
Um, but Connie would, Connie's mother would never allow her to watch like Lonely Blade. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I feel like Connie is the kind of person who reads a lot of stuff that her parents would not necessarily want her to read if they knew what she was reading. Yeah, Like, Connie definitely reads a bunch of, a bunch of shit on AO3, like, when her mom's not looking. Yeah, she's, like, in the school library in her lunch break, fucking printing out Cat's fucking fanfiction or whatever. Warrior Cat's fanfic? Huh? Warrior Cats fanfic or just Cats is in the musical? I mean Cats the musical. This is a this is a, a joke directed squarely at Mary. Okay. <laughs> God. Um the uh I like the running book subplot, right? Like mm-hmm. It, it helps tie things together. It also helps like build this like this fun little narrative between Stephen and Connie. Um, that I think is very cute. You know, mm-hmm. it helps keep Stephen grounded while all of this like alien bullshit is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the gyms just getting more and more frustrated with the fucking robinoids. Oh God, Garnet, fucking. Uh. <laughs> Garnet is just beautiful. I love her. I love that she's just like, okay, we could, but I don't want to. <laughs> this fucking just, sucks. Let's do something different. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also noticed like Amethyst encouraging Pearl to just like fucking let it out. <laughs> just uh, go eat shit, dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, because that's definitely not something that she would have, like, you can definitely tell their relationship has changed in the wake of uh, meeting in the kindergarten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Um, speaking of, when they warp to the, the kindergarten, um, the, like, in Pearl starts kind of freaking out about it being the kindergarten and, like, talking about the, kind of giving a quick rundown of the kindergarten so people who forgot what the kindergarten was, like, are caught up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice, like, uh, Amethyst's face is all sad <laughs> again. Yeah. Good, good, sad continuity. Good job, show. It's good. Um, I like how they agree. Like, yeah, we did. De- like, Amethyst is like, listen, I have a different relationship to this place, but uh, we definitely should not be bringing this motherfucker back online. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, when the Robinoid sinks into the ground and Steven just, like, jumps down the hole, he's so capable now. He is. I'm so proud of him. Beginning of this season, Steven could not have done that. Uh, Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't... Did you say anything? No. Oh, okay, okay. The, the no, side- I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, he definitely couldn't. Um, I like the, I like this projection of, like, they're doing a pretty good job of, like, building Peridot at, up as a bad guy, because we never directly interact with Peridot. Mm-hmm. So we don't know much about her. We don't know what her real capabilities are. Like, we know that she's a bad guy, right? Like. Yeah. We know she's a homeworld gem. Mm-hmm. Um. um the... I like uh, how 
Garnet's like, what does he say? Like, where he sasses Garnet. Um, when, like, he's like, why don't we just ask her? And Stephen, she, Garnet says something and then Stephen sasses her back. I'm like, ooh, he's getting sassy. <laughs> sassy Stephen. Um, I, oh, my on, next note mm-hmm. is about, like, the backgrounds and stuff because the gem tech looks really cool. Uh, down in the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Steven said that right as I was typing it. So <laughs> I was just like, LOL, same Steven. Well, I think that's also interesting. This is the first time we've seen like widespread tech gym tech, right? And it's mm-hmm. all very interesting and very high tech to us. And then we have Peridot telling us, oh, this old bullshit. Right? Like, this is the first time we've been introduced to this whole new level of shit, and the bad guy is already telling us that this ain't shit compared to what she's used to. Mm Mm-hmm. So, good. This is how you book a bad guy. It's very good. Uh, The interaction between Steven and Peridot has some fun consequences in literally, like, three seasons. Oh, my God. So, just remember this shit. Ugh. Onion, I think. <laughs> Still unconfirmed with whether or not Onion is human. Jesus. Well, he doesn't have any ears, so clearly he's a gem because no gems have ears. He has no nose either, right? Onion uh, have a nose? I thought he had a nose. Yeah, he does have a little nose. Also, Pearl is just such a theatrical mess, and I love her. She is. She's, like, so... Like, she, the second she gets to turn on being Pearl, uh, like, Crystal Jim Pearl, well, she just fucking goes for it. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I found this while Googling on- or Onion's face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Onions with threatening auras. Every oh picture of Onion. <laughs> um, Who is he about to kneecap in that gif? I do not know. <laughs> oh my god. We'll find out, I guess. I it's a, guess. It's a gif of Onion just like threatening something with a bat. Jesus Christ. Um... I like that she says she's going to report it, so it moves our storyline along. Like, Mm -hmm. good. It's just good, good bad guy. Like, I don't necessarily know if there's anything deep within this episode, but it does a good job of showing that the story's progressed since, like, say, the, like, like, if you watch just kind of, like, the, I guess, like, air quotes, the high points, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is one of those along the storytelling narrative of what's happening, the overarching, like, narrative of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, it shows that, like, some stuff has progressed, the characters are more capable than they, they used to be, they're on a better footing than they used to be, uh, but the bad guy is still here and the bad guy is still coming, you know? Um, yeah, and it also, like, kind of contextualizes the bad guy a little bit because now it's like we know we have a face for the Homeworld gems and now we know that the Homeworld gems are 100% going to know about the Crystal Gems still being there. So, upping the stakes a bit. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Also, I find it interesting that, um, that, uh, like, Peridot didn't know that the, didn't know what the crystal gems were. Yeah. Uh, which implies to me, because other gems we will find do know who the crystal gems are, and, uh, we'll find this out later, it's not really a plot point, but, uh, uh, Peridot is what's called an Era 2 gem. So she was made after the whole Earth thing. Huh. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting that they seemingly have just struck the crystal gems from the fucking record books. Or don't even talk about the Earth, right? Like, yeah. all, all, uh, all Peridot knows is that all of the gems on this planet were destroyed, uh... I'm going to restart whatever the fuck this project is. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't catch on to that. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess like, cause I, I have a little bit more future knowledge, but it's interesting that like, cause theoretically the crystal gems, the, you know, this rebellious group that, you know, defended the earth against the diamond authority, uh, thousands of years ago like paradox like the crystal who <laughs> like yeah so we will run into a gem who was around during that time she knows who the fuck the crystal gems are <laughs> so i don't think it's unknown knowledge i just think it's not widespread it's intentionally not widespread knowledge mm-hmm. so um all righty I don't think I th that we, yeah, in the, uh, in the cultural references, it's like the unfamiliar familiar books are, uh, reference are a, maybe a reference to the popular, uh, book series, Harry Potter, as well as the golden compass. We yeah. got that. We got there. It's pretty, maybe, maybe just maybe. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else about Marble Madness? Nope. Okay. Well, we're here. Episode 45. Rose's Scabbard, written by Raven Mullisey, Paul Velico, and Rebecca Sugar, because Rebecca only pops up to hurt us. <laughs> I've been noticing. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh huh. If you if you just read in the credits, Rebecca Sugar wrote it. Just it's like prepare your fucking heart. Just assume that it's going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. The official synopsis: Stephen joins Pearl on a special mission to a place that belonged to Rose Quartz. No. Not no. That's not even remotely what happens. It's not mission at all. This is bad. These are bad now. <laughs> yeah. Returning to the strawberry battlefield, the crystal gems uh, are beginning to gather up some of the discarded weapons. Uh, Pearl explains to Steven that the weapons were left behind in a big gem battle uh, that was fought over 5,000 years ago. Uh, Garnet quickly claims a massive war axe, uh, much to Steven's delight. Steven's like, I want to get one of those. And Pearl's like, well, maybe you should get something a little bit tinier for you, buddy. Um, 
Lion, uh, he, uh, Steven's like, all right, Lion, let's go find something. Lion just wanders off because he's a fucking cat. <laughs> Pearl tells Steven that he needs to do jet bear job training Lion. Steven's like, oh, listen, he like he comes to his name now. See, and starts calling Lion's name multiple times where Lion uh, does not give a dusty fuck. Uh, uh, Amethyst laments that she wishes that she could have been there uh, a few thousand years ago with them and garnet's like no you don't it was fucking horrible war is hell and, and pearl's like no it's great it's a victorious battle is good everything's good it's fine um meanwhile uh lion uh finds a discarded pink scabbard on the ground pearl recognizes as the scabbard for rosa's sword uh, and pulls the scatter scabbard blah scattered um mm out of lion's mouth before shooing him away steven asks uh, if his mother had fought in the battle when it occurred and uh pearl explains that the battle was led against the homeworld gems on this very spot that they uh that she and garnet fought beside her um after warping home to the temple garnet and amethyst are trying to get their new weapons into amethyst's room um uh steven asks uh Stephen asks for more information about his mom. Uh, Pearl says that she was smart and talented and beautiful. I can't remember exactly what she says, but that pretty much sums it up. Uh, she kind of like looks over at the 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 painting of Rose and is like, "Sometimes when I look at you, you look so much like her." And then looks it out at Stephen, and he's he's not really looks like her at all. Um, but kind of contemplating it, uh, Pearl gives the scabbard to Stephen because it was his mother's and he should have it. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to bop people with it if they get too close. And and, and Pearl's like, no, no, no. It's, it's supposed to hold a sword. Um, and then she kind of is like, hey, do you want to go see a secret place that only me and your mom knew about? And Stephen's like, fuck yeah. Uh, so they warp out. Um, and they begin heading to uh, Rose's Sanctum, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, sure. It was like her armory. Yeah, that's it. That's probably better of what that actually is. This is Rose's armory. Um, they arrive at Rose's armory, and Stephen's like, oh, I've been here before, because it's the place that we saw in Lion 2, the movie. Um, Pearl's like, wait, what the fuck do you mean you've been here before? Only I knew about this. He's like, yeah, Lion brought me. She's like, what the fuck do you mean the Lion brought you? Um, Stephen begins to activate the entire facility. Um, and is like, uh bringing up all the different things pearl is giving the actual names for the things becoming more and more exasperated she's like uh no what we're looking for is your mother's sword and then she like kind of like does a hologram projection with her head of rose's sword it's the sword that we saw in lion 2 the movie um i believe that's the first time we saw it right yeah i'm pretty yeah. sure uh and Stephen's like, oh, I know where that is. Uh, smash cut back to the temple where they're standing around with Lion. And Stephen does the legend, like a uh, uh, legally distinct Legend of Zelda noise as he pulls uh, the sword out of Lion's head. And all of the gems are like, what the actual fuck? It's like, hold, how is this line connected to Rose? Of course, we should have seen it because it's pink and everything. And uh, Pearl is like, this can't be Rose's line. If Rose had a line, she would have told me. And Garnet's like, listen, Rose kept a lot of secrets from a lot of us. And she's like, not from me, motherfucker. Uh, then she and Amethyst are getting into an argument about missing Rose. And she's like, you don't guys don't understand. None of you had what we had. Um, 
uh, Steven tries to talk her down and she says, what would you know? You didn't even you didn't even know her slamming her fist into the wall, knocking over the painting of Rose. Garnet catches it at the last second. Um, Pearl runs off with Amethyst saying, go go ahead and cry uh, about it. And Stephen asks uh, Garnet if Pearl's going to be okay. Garnet doesn't say anything. Uh, Stephen's like, I'm going to go after her. Uh, then, like, ominously, Garnet's like, good luck, or I hope so. I can't remember something like that. Uh, we warp back to the store. Lion, he jumps on Lion. Lion knows where she is and warps us back to the strawberry battlefield. Uh, Stephen begins chasing Pearl, asking Pearl, like, Come on, tell me what's happening. Tell me what's wrong. Pearl's like, get that thing away from me in reference to Lion. Uh, they come, she jumps across some floating, some like floating islands to a bigger floating island. Uh, Steven leaves Lion behind and begins jumping from floating island to floating island himself. Uh, finally getting to the end, telling Pearl, like, Pearl, you've got to talk to me. Did I do something wrong? You have to tell me. Um, and then finally summoning up his courage, um, Steven tries to jump to the big gap, and he cannot, uh, plummeting down, uh, Pearl looking very distraught about Steven falling. He catches himself at the last second, uh, climbing his way back up to the top of the island, where he finds Pearl, like, sad and distraught, um, and she laments that she wonders, uh, if Steven has any of Rose's memories, if she can remember anything about this place, uh, she's like, we were here 5,000 years ago and begins projecting an image of Rose, uh, kind of reenacting a conversation that they seemingly had all that time ago, where Rose is urging Pearl to consider what's about to happen. Um, that, you know, when they if they take on this fight, that they're never going to go home. Like, even if they survive, they're never going to go home. Uh, Pearl saying that why would she ever want to go home if Rose was here? Um and Pearl says, uh, everything I ever did, I did for her, and now I don't really have anything. I wonder if she can see me through your eyes. I wonder what she must think. And then Stephen, after pausing for a moment, uh, hugs Pearl from the back and goes, uh, well, I think you're pretty great. Pearl begins to cry. We cut to a little montage of uh, them putting the sword back into Lion in its scabbard. Um then Stephen trying to cheer up Ro or Pearl, I guess, does like a magic trick with some scarves and a top hat. Uh, then remembers that uh, the flag is inside of uh, Lion's head, pulls out the flag. Uh, then we cut to like a scene of Pearl reenacting some sort of war story for Stephen uh, with his mother's flag. Um, then we have like a scene of Pearl and Stephen riding along on Lion's back, uh, star wipe the end. Except there's no star wipe this time. I just say that at the end of every synopsis now. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to sandwich these, sandwich the heavy this week. Yeah. I, yeah, uh -huh. I honestly don't have that many notes, but just because I, this, this episode is so ingrained in me, uh, because as you can imagine, this is a talking point episode for the entire fandom for years. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> so I just know a lot about this episode. <laughs> uh, first off, the art of this show is so good. It really, really is. The Strawberry Battlefield looks so visually interesting. It is so evocative. It's fucking cool as shit. It's gorgeous. 
And like the color palette is very interesting as well. Right. Because like the. Oh, go on. Go ahead. No, no, go on. Like the way that the, the weapons are so distinct in the color palette from the rest of the background. Uh, just to kind of like draw attention to them and make them look like a little wrong or a little off. Right. Like they're not so, like this beautiful place is not supposed to have these things. Yes. Um, the uh, we're actually going to find we're eventually going to meet the gym who made all those theoretically. Oh, boy. Yeah, because you notice how like those those weapons stick around when theoretically like Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl's weapons wouldn't stick around if they got poofed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there, there is in fact a Crystal Gems weaponsmith that we will meet. Okay. Yeah. I assume that she made them because she also made Rose's sword, and Rose's sword is a, a tangible object that sticks around after Rose is gone, you know? Yeah. So... Um, cause I think there's just diff- like a fundamental difference between like, you can have weapons that are physical weapons and you can project weapons from yourself. And those are two different objects. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, uh, I like how, uh, Steve, like, I like how they're not like, no, Steven, the swords aren't for you. They're like, no, just go get one that's you shot sized. <laughs> Yeah. The gems do not have a concept that maybe the the 13-year-old shouldn't have a goddamn weapon. What do you have? A sword. Good. Well, go go get a go get one that's your size. <laughs> Son, come on. <laughs> you got to you got to get the sword that fits your body type. Yeah. Uh <sighs> Pearl would definitely say that because she studied the blade. Yes. I, I do find it interesting that there is that gigantic axe uh, that they take, and it's just like, hmm, what gem was that made for? Was that, like, made for a fusion? Was that made for a gem that's just that fucking big? I think it would have to be a fusion because regular gems don't get that big. Okay. Just just on their own. Obviously, fusions can get that big because we've seen, like, you know, uh, you know super light and everything. Um, yeah. Or, or uh, what, Alexandrite is also, you know, bigger than Sucolite. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that, like, theoretically, that's a, like, a, a, a bespoke weapon made for a fusion of two gems. Yeah. So... Um, Steven's interactions Pearl. with the cat are every cat owner interacting with a cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, like you know, your cat knows its name. Little bit, little bit. Oh, he did look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you love me. He does. Uh, oh, he slow blinked at me. Aw. Uh, I like how Garnet has seen some shit. Yeah, they they do they do a good job of trying to like like while there is mythologizing about the war, like there's obviously mythologizing about the war happening, but they undercut it quite often. And we're actually we'll 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 get to a line that I really enjoy uh, during the finale, but Mm -hmm. uh, they do a pretty good job being like, no, the war was bad. Like, like, 
yeah, sure, it was fought for a good reason, but, like, the war was bad because wars are bad. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love how Pearl, uh, Pearl's rose-tinted glasses, ha-ha, <laughs> are showing. Um, and, like, I love how they make a really good concerted effort. Like, Ro- Pearl does not sound... I mean, okay, she sounds like she means it, but, like, the way that it's written and the way that it's acted mm-hmm. really makes you question her judgment of what she's talking about, you know? Right. Like she's telling her version of, of the story, but it makes you decidedly think that's probably not how it actually went down or that's not the full story of how it went down. Like Garnet would give you a different take of what happened that day. Oh, 100%. Um, Uh, I did write that Pearl is a fucking nerd. Pearl is a fucking nerd. Uh, then uh, we move forward to, like, the the scene in the temple between her and Steven, which I think is actually a pretty sweet little scene. Yeah, Even though I undercut it by writing in my notes, gay. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's gay, but also, like, I found it deeply upsetting in a lot of ways because, like, Pearl does not have a healthy attitude towards Rose at all this entire fucking episode. Nobody, nope, nope, nope. Actually, she's never had a healthy relationship toward Rose. Yeah, but, like, this episode is what we're talking about yeah. here. But I think I think it builds on how we've seen Pearl interact with her memories of Rose up until now as well. Because yes. you can draw a distinct line between how she acts in this episode to how she was acting uh, in Indirect Kiss. Yes. Yes, you absolutely can. Yeah. But it's it's a lot. It is a and lot. And like I I have a hard time being particularly excited about the gay. No, 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 no. When, this is not this is not happy gay. I mean, it's nice yeah. that we get this like Oh yeah. very explicitly queer relationship. And it's not being like, I don't, like, while it's tragic or what have you, I don't think it's tragic because it's gay. It just happens to be tragic and gay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and way more complicated than it's honestly portrayed in this episode. Because it's yeah. just episode one of uh, many seasons of this show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I wrote the note, is it really? What the fuck am I responding to, me? I don't. No. I don't know. Uh, I like that uh, Pearl just basically carries Steven up that mountain. It's very cute. It's very cute. (laughs) Um, Like, just with her fucking uh, quasi-Obi. Right. Like It's very cute. Why the fuck didn't they build a warp pad in there? Why not? You have to know where you're going with the warp pads, I think. Like. I mean, it could have been Rose's paranoia. Could be. I don't know. Like, I guess, like, like, theoretically, seemingly, if the warp pads, if the warp pads exist, anyone can use the warp pads. There's no cutting people off from them outside of physically destroying them. So maybe it was from a secure, because obviously you don't want the enemy being able to just, like, immediately teleport into your armory. Yeah. So. Um, and I'm pretty sure I saw Thor's armor in the armory. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. 
So I love the dumb uh, names for everything. <laughs> yes. I like how they're like, good. they do this like, they're really just like taking the piss out of mythologizing your your, your lore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the Axes of Ages. And they're like, we're never going to see the Axes of Ages again. No one mm-hmm. gives a fuck. <laughs> And, you know, it's also all undercut by Steven making silly faces and booping himself. Yeah. Like, this stuff's not the actual important part. Like, it's not, like, they're, like, the lore is important up until the point. Like, the lore is only important as far as it serves the plot. And that's it. Yes. And I think it's a very interesting statement to make. Everybody on the internet, the lore is only as important as it serves the plot of the thing. I mean, okay, you say that, but also I'm really salty about WoW lore, so, you know. I mean, I, I it, listen, agree with you're you. salty about it because it, it's shitty sometimes, and it does not A serve the, the plot time. well. Yeah, <laughs> and also Thrall should have married Jaina. I mean, I guess so. I don't know enough about that. I know who Thrall is, and I know who Jaina is only because of Hearthstone. <laughs> and they should have married. I guess so. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm fine. I'm not saying anything different. Okay. Um, the uh, Stephen going, oh, I can do this without, I can do it without you. Just fucking nuking Pearl from orbit there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I'm just like, uh, like she needed a fucking another dagger in the goddamn heart. Uh, and then after that, my notes say, just talk about the thing. <laughs> It's like, you know, you know, at that point, at that point, there's only one way to there's only one thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I do love the legally distinct Zelda noise that Steven makes when he pulls out the sword. Yes, Uh, it's very good. (laughs) But anyways, I'll I'll let you go because I I, I have I have five years of, of six years now of like pent up Steven Universe to talk about, so. Yeah, like, oh my god, so Pearl's outburst, um, just, oh, so gut-wrenching, and it's even more gut-wrenching because Steven puts aside being upset to be worried about Pearl instead. Right, he's desperately afraid that he's done something wrong. Yeah. He's internalizing all of the cuz like I can understand why Pearl is so upset. She, like this becomes even more upsetting when we learn some shit like 3 seasons from now about like like Pearl's relationship with Rose. Like mm-hmm. Pearl's relationship with Rose has a lot more nuance and a lot more context than than people put in there. Um and like everybody one of the things I kind of dislike is that everybody always tries to find a villain in in their relationship. A lot of times that falls onto Rose. Sometimes it falls onto Pearl. I think they're both fucked in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer is they both are, they weren't good for, like, maybe at one point they were good for each other, but they became very bad for each other in a number of different mm-hmm. ways. Um, but, like, I can understand this person that you cared about, who you lost, that in that loss mythologized, um, and then to find out that they fucking lied to you, <laughs> or didn't necessarily lie to you, but just didn't tell you the whole truth when you thought that you were their sole confidant, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand Pearl being so fucking upset about that. It makes a whole lot oh, of yeah. sense. Oh yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that it's not understandable, just it was uncalled for. Oh yeah. Like she was really mean. <laughs> She's unnecessarily yeah. mean. Yeah. Um uh, I think she realizes later that she like we've all said shit when we're mad or when we're upset that we did not mean. Uh she definitely that's not like Pearl's real feelings about the thing. She's mad and upset in that moment. And we don't necessarily see Pearl in that level of uncomposed very often. And I think it's nice to show that your good character can be mean, like when they're upset, because that's how real people do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, though. It's just it real fucking rough. Don't be mean to the boy. <laughs> yeah. He did not do anything to deserve this. In one arm, I have Steven. In the other arm, I have Baby Yoda. And I'm going to fucking fight you over both of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I'm going to edit Baby Yoda into every fucking frame of Steven Universe now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but the... It's just, and it just continues to be heart-wrenching because Steven is blaming himself. He's becoming more and more upset. Like, Steven just calling out to Pearl, like... Pearl, did I do something? You've got to tell me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. desperately just wanting to be told, like, what's up? He just wants to know why people are upset, you know? Mm-hmm. I think this also leans on to, like, like, obviously, he, as a, like, as, as a child, he would be upset by this no matter what, right? But, like, this kind of, I think, also feeds into, like, our empath, like, our you know, wild empathetic powers thing here. Cause like Pearl's just throwing off so much emotion all at once. Yeah. Um, uh, I do like that Pearl isn't like completely like is very worried when Steven begins to fall into the abyss. Yeah. Though doesn't jump. Off. I guess what if she jumped off to save him, what would she do? Like, I don't know if she could actually do anything to save him, you know? Yeah, there's um, not a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, she doesn't have, like, a ranged weapon the same way that, like, Amethyst does. And she's not terribly comfortable with shape-shifting, either. Yeah. So she's... Because Garnet, Garnet could have, like, grown an extra long arm, as we yeah. learned from Garnet would have uh, punched team. Garnet would have punched at the ground and then repelled herself into the sky, because she's so badass. She would just That's punch fair. the ground so hard that she flew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the just like the this was the this was the point in the show where everybody's like, oh, so so Pearl is gay. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also this also began the speculation of like how one sided was Pearl in, 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 in Rose's relationship, which went on for fucking just. The bad, the worst, garbagest fucking takes from people, too. Uh, people being really mean about bisexual people. Yep. Oh, uh, that's, that's always the case, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Demonizing Rose because she's, she's bi. That's great. That's always fun. Or, you know, perceived as bi or what have you. Who knows? She's fucking, the gyms do not have the same, le- like, well, conceptualization of sexuality, I'm sure. 
Yeah, in human terms, she would be bi because she has demonstrated attract- attraction to more than one gender. So right, right, exactly. Um, so of course they demonize the bisexual immediately. When I feel like it's very clear from the, it's very to me it's very clear from that message. Like rewatching it and looking at it, like, like even even though this is Pearl's basically versions of events like rose was clearly trying to be like you don't have like you know i don't want you to stay here and die for me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh i don't know it just the the message kind of just made me feel really squeamish because it felt like there was a huge power imbalance there is a huge power imbalance you should feel and, like that uh, yeah like, I just, I did not find the message particularly heartwarming or anything like that. I just felt very gross the entire time I watched it. I don't think you're supposed to find it heartwarming. I don't think you're supposed to feel good about it. Good, because I, I don't. Like, I don't think, I think the key thing about, like, Pearl and Rose's relationship is, like, my take on it, and we'll get more information about this as it goes on, but I'm going to put put onto paper, and maybe I'll reevaluate this as the show goes on, right? Uh, but putting it down on paper, I think at one point Rose and Pearl had a good relationship. I think they mm-hmm. had like what they th- like what they thought was a good relationship. It was OK for a while because it was like a new it was like this new exciting thing for both of them. Right. Mm-hmm. But as they grew up, like things changed uh, and then that relationship changed and became not good for them anymore in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what ended up happening. And Pearl mythologized her past because Pearl is a person who mythologizes her past because she's a person who feels like all her best days are behind her. Mm-hmm. Like she's definitely that person who feels like they peaked out in high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> or not in high school, yeah. but like longs for yeah, being no. young again. Like those were my glory yeah. days and doesn't think that the new, like the current version of her is all that worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so she mythologizes her past. And part of that mythologizing her past is lionizing what she saw as like her, her good, her, you know, her, her one true relationship when that's probably not what that was, you know? Mm hmm. Um, that's my take on it. <laughs> I, you know. No, that, that makes sense. Like, as a person who very much is firmly in the Pearl stand thing, I also just feel like, like, there's a lot of blame for what happened in their relationship on both sides. There is a decided power imbalance. There's some gross shit in there. Uh, some of it is Rose's fault. Some of it is not Rose's fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... I'm assuming we'll get there eventually. We will like, get in, there like, eventually. Four seasons. Yeah. In like four seasons, yeah. Uh uh well no, Sworns of Swords coming up, so that's fun. Uh, okay. We should get to that actually in the next couple of months. Uh I think so. I'll have to look at the order list. But but yeah. Steven is a good boy he's, in all caps. He's the best boy. He's trying like I that is genuinely touching because it, it's decidedly a, a moment where like Pearl's realized that she's real shitty. Like, look how shitty I fucking become. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's 
getting real deep in that hole of self-loathing because I think Pearl realizes that she really fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um, it's that crap. It, she's having the adrenaline crash of what happened in a panic attack and then realizing that you made a, you were really, really fucking shitty to people. And you know, all mm-hmm. you can do is just like hate yourself. Yeah. And, uh, like Rebecca, come, Rebecca makes me cry every time she writes on a fucking episode of Steven universe. Yeah. So, uh, obviously lion's glowing eyes uh are going to mean absolutely nothing in reference to like them being shown when pearl's like can she see me (laughs) uh i think obviously obviously means nothing yep um i like them putting the sword apparently let me scroll down somebody asked rebecca um Somebody on an Instagram post, Rebecca Sugar stated that when Pearl is inaudibly telling Stephen the war story at the ending of the, uh, um, uh, over the ending music of the episode, and she's, she says, quote, and out of nowhere, when it seemed impossible, Rose charged in with me by her side, exclamation point. So, if you were wondering what she was talking about there, I honestly didn't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's just telling a war story to Stephen. Yeah. Um, I also said in all caps, Stephen is a good, good boy for doing the magic show and thinking to bring Pearl the banner. Mm-hmm. He's very good. He's um, trying very hard. Uh, he apparently Rose or, or not Rose Pearl wearing the like weird scarves in the top hat is apparent. Like people think that's a doctor who reference. And I guess I can see it. I guess. Tom Baker, doctor who. Yeah. It's in that. Eh, yeah, I feel of, like it's a stretch. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. I guess people are saying that because, like, Lion is sort of a TARDIS. So, yeah. Pocket Dimensions yeah. existed before Doctor Who. Yeah. Um. The especially in anime. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lion is just a hammer space contained within an animal. Um, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, so. So we've reached the first big milestone of Steven Universe, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Which is Rose's Scabbard. How, how, do you, how are you feeling about the show so far? I mean, the show's really good. I'd feel bad for Pearl. I think you're supposed to feel bad for Pearl, for sure. Like, I distinctly, just, like, the discourse from this was terrible. I remember for years people referencing this specific episode and trying to figure out the nature of Pearl and and Rose's relationship, and I'm like, this is... I mean, part of me was sitting back there, because, like, this show came out, what, this was, like, six years ago, so I was (laughs) twenty-fucking-seven. Like, so I'm sitting here as a full-ass grown adult, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and... Uh, right. That's when this came out in 2015, 16, somewhere around then. Yeah, 2015. So yeah, it was. Uh, oh, that was seven. No, no, it was six years. I can't do math. Yeah. So you know, uh, it was just like uh like hard to watch people like debate 
like the nature of this relationship when I feel like I'm like this is written by a by an adult about an adult relationship like it being viewed and filtered through the eyes of a child but like trying to tell like a like a more messy nuanced story about relationships than cartoons typically do you know mm-hmm. which I can appreciate but Phew, lord they just come sw- when when Steven Universe wants to swing it just goes for it yeah no kidding <laughs> How's this compared to the talks about relationships in the other cartoon that you watch? <laughs> I mean, mostly that's like me just being shipper trash and Anya just mm-hmm. staring at me in horror. That's fair. I mean, I, I feel like they're whole different eras of cartoon, too. I mean, they're quasi contemporaries, but they're very different cartoons made for very different reasons, mm-hmm. because My Little Pony is a 22 minute weekly commercial for toys right like hasbro never cracked down on most of the streaming sites that were hosting it as far as i know because it wasn't about making money off the show the show was a vehicle for the toys and the more people who watched the show and got interested in the toys the better for hasbro i honestly think my little pony is maybe the last big toy vehicle that's like i feel like it's the last big show of the like toyetic period of cartoon network before they moved into things that were like before the merchandise mattered less than the advertising money you know what i mean i mean i get that um because like obviously obviously merchandise plays a big part in almost everything that steve or that that cartoon network does right well i mean my Little Pony wasn't Cartoon Network. True. It was Hasbro. Yeah. But there was probably some sort of deal going on there, too. I uh, I don't think so. I don't think My Little Pony ever showed up on Cartoon Network. Yeah, it did. When? I watched it on Cartoon Network. Here. Could be a programming thing. Yeah, because, like, at the very least, for the first several seasons, it was exclusive to, like, the Discover Hub Network or whatever. Oh, I watched that motherfucker on Cartoon Network. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, either way, that's why I've always associated it with Cartoon Network in my head. Huh. No, it wasn't made for Cartoon Network. It was made for an entirely different uh, network. Hmm. Interesting. Um, But, I mean, yeah, it's. It's one of the last bastions of the, like, 80s-style show that's meant to peddle toys. Yeah, as opposed I, I guess to, I say that in reference to, like, if you look at the other stuff that was sort of, like, I feel like are more contemporaries of it, of, like, the Ben 10s and the so on. The things that are meant to really sell toys. Mm-hmm. Because they have bits that you want, or they're very action figure uh, Like, you know, the, the Teen Titans cartoon is very similar. I mean, arguably got, like, you know, the rumor is that it got canceled because the proper demographics didn't like it. It's when Cartoon Network cared a whole lot about, like, the boy-girl demo divide. Mm-hmm. Or, or cartoons in general, I guess. Since I guess it's not Cartoon Network. I just think of... When I think of cartoons and the way people process it, Cartoon Network is like the thing in my head that comes first because it's the the most that thing is, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But it's the demo divide, right? 
boy shows, girl shows. Because, like, where what is Steven Universe in that dichotomy, you know? Mm-hmm. Steven Universe doesn't match any, like, doesn't fit neatly into the boy show, girl show dichotomy. Now, given Steve, or its predecessor, uh, Adventure Time, definitely did. But yes. it was definitely, it was more of the harbinger of things to come than it was. Because, like, I don't remember there being a whole lot of, like, four kids Adventure Time toys. I can't think of back to going through the toy aisle and seeing those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe a sword, maybe some action figures, but not in the same way you see, like, My Little Fucking Pony on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can't remember ever seeing Steven Universe, like, toys. Uh... Because it was just not a – it's a show that generated merchandise, but Cartoon Network realized very quickly that that merchandise was geared at a different different audience. Yeah. Um, I can distinctly remember very early there being, like, Steven Universe shit in Hot Topic by comparison. Yeah. Even though there's also a lot of My Little Pony shit in Hot Topic, but, you know, whatever. It's My Little Pony. Well, part well, – That's because I mean, of Bromies. part of that – yeah, part of that was because they realized that their demographic ended up being different than their target demographic, and they decided to run with it because they just wanted the money. Yeah. So, and 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 I think from Steven Universe it really heralds the sea change, especially in Cartoon Network's programming of shows that really that put more focus on narrative and character and less focus on like, like. They began merchandising the shows in different ways, and I think it's because advertiser dollars became were way more lucrative than merchandising deals. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, which is why shows can still get – television shows like are getting record low ratings and probably making record profits because advertisers don't know how to advertise online, but they understand commercials, you know? Yeah, because the demos that still watch like still watch TV, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not going to get into it. I know a lot about this stuff because of wrestling. (laughs) Uh, The demo war uh, on Wednesday nights. Um, Yeah. So, but yeah, like this is really a seat like I can't I remember like seeing this and like because I think I started actually watching the show a little bit later because I remember downloading most of season one. Uh, from a totally legal place, uh, uh, right before the season finale came out, or maybe just after the season finale came out, and I just kind of consumed it in one go. Um, Mm -hmm. but, like, sadly at the time being like, oh, this gay, this is not, like, subtextually gay. Like, and being very surprised by that, and being very, not understanding who Rebecca Sugar was at the time. Uh, in being very scared that like, oh, this is ne- this is going to be an unrequited bullshit and I'm going to hate it. <laughs> and yeah. I'm so glad I was wrong. I did not understand Rebecca, did not trust her. <laughs> so. Uh, flag bearer of queer, queer creators making queer shit for queers. <laughs> uh. I cannot believe that the original airing of this episode was Rose's Scabbard and then immediately into the finale four episodes. Like, give your, you gotta give your fucking viewers some time to breathe. Jesus Christ. That's fucking wild. I can see why the original air, like, air dates were not supposed to be that. Because, like, 
open book shirt club and story for Steven move the the kind of the air quotes B plot of like, you know, the not alien invasion plot. Like they don't really move that forward, but they give you some time to like get back with the characters, take a breath, like chill out. Because like our next open book shirt club and story for Steven, that's going to be a light week. It's nice because I can't I, I don't want like this is a lot like these three like maximum capacity and Rose's scabbard are two heavy fucking episodes right yeah especially when we're used to like one heavy episode two kind of light ones uh and then we're just gonna get three light ones in the next one uh open book is uh open book returns i do feel like this is the first uh first week that we've had that did not have a, a moment of abject horror it did have like panic and made me feel all kinds of other negative emotions, but not like I'm horrified and scared for my life. Like it didn't incite a flight or fight response for me. Uh, but fortunately, yeah, there was yeah. there was no body horror this episode. I know, right? Like there's just no horror movie shit. Fortunately, we're going to return to that in open book. So it's OK. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, open book goes some places. Uh, so that's fun. Why don't you read me the synopsis? The official synopsis. Stephen and Connie want a new ending for a beloved book series that has recently been, they have recently read, so Stephen takes them to Rose's room to reenact it. <laughs> okay. I'll see how... Yeah. Only good things happen in Rose's room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like little whales. Little whales. Uh... Shirt Club is fun, and so is Story for Steven. Story for Steven, uh, I didn't realize it was part of season one. It makes sense that it was part of season one. It's weird that it was part of season two, frankly. Uh, and then, but next week, our next episode, we're going to have a guest. Uh, for hey, real? we forgot Discord. Oh, Discord, yes. Uh, Discord wasn't as active this week, I think is why I forgot it. It's uh, mostly stuff from Shannon, a little bit of stuff from Anya. Anya, first time question asker. Uh, didn't really ask a question, but was part of the uh, the discussion. So I'm just going to mention them. Good job. Hmm. Uh, Shannon asks, sort of, uh, about Rose's scabbard. What's the deal with Rose anyway? I mean, I know her real identity, but all these people having significant attachment, codependency, trauma issues centered around Rose. Was she really all that good? Or was her personality so big that commanded attention? Or maybe she was such a successful narcissist uh, that this is her legacy. Uh, like, that's an unpopular take, probably. But there's such awfulness left in her wake uh, that it bears discussion. A, I think we'll get to, like, this is the first real interaction with with the, the memory of Rose since, um, since uh, Indirect Kiss, I feel like. So it's really hard. I feel like with the the information that you have right now, I feel like it's really hard for to make that discussion. But what mm. I, like I feel like my statement still stands. And if you have a take, don't let me speak for you. I don't don't mean for that to like come off as me like putting words in your mouth. I don't know. Like I do I do feel like I don't know enough to really make an educated take here. I just know that that this entire episode just made me feel really gross and it made me feel gross both about the way Pearl talked about Rose and also like Rose's 
uh, interaction with Pearl, at least the way Pearl's re- Pearl remembered it, made me feel gross about Rose, too. So <laughs> I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to, like, the show constantly is casting doubt on people's memories of Rose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's on purpose. Well, I think you're supposed to feel bad about what happened here. Well, and I mean, we 100% know Rose is a war criminal, so... Yeah. Double war criminal. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, to go back to something we were talking about before the show. Uh, so we, we decide that Rose is a double war criminal and we need to rate Rose on the big boss scale of war criminals. Yes. Is she yes. more or less of a war criminal than big boss, the ultimate war criminal? I feel like based on what I know of Rose and what I know of what she's done, I feel like she's not quite Big Boss level, but I do feel like that she and Big Boss meet at like a war criminal mixer, like a fictional war criminal mixer. Right, like Big Boss is giving a speech on war crimes. Like he's giving like a presentation about how to do your war crimes. Yeah. And 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 Rose is there taking notes. (laughs) Well, I, I don't think she's necessarily taking notes, but like they meet later and they have a drink and they exchange stories and they become friends over it. Right. Maybe they like, maybe they do like a crossover episode of their YouTube channels. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I assume this is just VidCon for war criminals. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, honestly. Um uh, Shannon goes on to say Pearl's uh, Pearl especially, their relationship feels unhealthy. Uh and I can't be the one with the idea that toxic stuff is all just Pearl. I, I mean, I think, like I said, like, yeah, it's definitely unhealthy. I I don't think the show is ever trying to portray it as healthy. Um, and a lot of, like, Pearl is just dealing with that bad relationship stuff that she has floating around. Um and Anya goes on to say, I think it's definitely safe to say that Pearl was obsessed with Rose and knowing everything from later in the series, it makes sense to agree a degree. Uh, but it also reads as, uh, as a very unhealthy relationship. And I think it's supposed to. I don't think that like mm. I think that is decidedly the intention of the authors here because I don't understand how they would portray it as anything different. You know, no one seems to think that this is OK. Yeah, Um. And then Anya, less of a question, more of an observation. Is Steven the only adult in the whole show? Or Steven is the only adult in the whole, sh- whole show, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Closely followed by Greg, I feel like. Greg is the yeah. second most adult. Probably tied for second most adult with Garnet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then, I agree. Then Amethyst and then Pearl, frankly. Where does Connie fit in on the adult scale? I feel like she's more adult than Amethyst in some respects. Okay, so yeah, it's 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 Steven, Greg Incarnate tied, then Connie, then honestly, I'm just gonna put Amethyst and Pearl on the same same tier because they're 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 yeah. both bad at being adults, but in different ways, but in the same amount. Yes. Um. Oh, actually, the real actual adult is it's Petey, then Steven. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, Petey's like 80. <laughs> Petey's the oldest character in the show. Yeah. So, there's our official ranking of adults. Yes. I will let Anya know. 
uh, we'll come back to this. I feel like I feel like this this ranking will shift. I don't think yes. Petey will ever lose his top spot, but uh, all right. Uh, next week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, next week. Yes, we have a guest. Um, for realsies. Yes. Uh, assuming something doesn't go wrong in the intervening two weeks. We'll see. Again. Yeah, we'll we'll see. You're listening to this on the 20th, and we're not. So, <laughs> uh, good vibes going out into the future. Um, we'll be having, uh... Ack! I'm trying to click on their profile. Sorry. Miss Pangea Kitty, uh, uh, they were part of the, um... Uh, what do you call it? The Crystal Thems, uh, burlesque. Um, oh, also apparently at one point did a burlesque version of Mr. Krabs. Well, all right, that's burned into my memory now. Uh, is it like the Broadway version of Mr. Krabs or just no, like Mr. Krabs, the cartoon? Mr. Krabs, I'll send you. It's actually pretty cute. No, don't send. Okay. If it's cute. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not horrifying. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, I like it. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Uh, hold on a second. I'm scrolling down to see who they were in the Crystal Dims. Oh, Lord, they tweet a lot. <laughs> Didn't you say Jasper? I believe it's Jasper. I wanted to say Jasper, but I wanted to make sure. Mm, I'm not going to hit it. <laughs> Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, like I said, next week we are going to be following, we're going to be watching episodes 46, 47, and 48, Open Book, Shirt Club, Story for Steven. If you're watching on, uh, I, uh, is that what comes next in the stuff that you're definitely legally, uh, acquired, August? Um, I'll have to double check. Open Book is what was listed before Rose's Scabbard. But I'm assuming that I'm not going automatically full force into the last four episodes of the season. Yeah, if you don't have um, if you don't have them, tell me and I'll get you hooked up with a, yeah. actu- an actually legal source, probably. Um, if yeah. you're watching on HBO Max, you're going to have to jump between season one and two to get all of these. It's fucking stupid. I don't know what's up. Um... I'm actually interested to see what the DVDs have them laid out as. I'll be getting those later tonight to see. But if this is, I feel like the the episodes as they were intended to be released by the crew is the way that you should probably watch them. Yeah. Um, like fuck Cartoon Network. This is how we're gonna watch them because this is what this is the story that the authors intended to tell, and that's what I want to judge. Uh, so so there's that. Uh, after that, we're going to be having a big, bigger, big episode, bigger Luke episode. We're only going to talk about bigger Luke theory, bigger Peridot theory, bigger Peridot theory. Um, uh, it's going to be episodes 49, the message episodes, 50 political power, 51, the return 52 jailbreak. Uh, so that's how we're going to cap off the season. Uh, then we're going to watch obsidian. Uh, and then we're going to start season two and I'm fucking stoked. Uh, we're going to start moving through seasons in a hurry too, frankly. 
Yeah, because they're not all yeah, like they, fifty something episodes. This is long. this is also this also shows that Steven Universe is part of a transition because they stopped giving a dusty fuck about syndication at this point. Yeah. Um because like the cartoon like the fifty two episode thing that I think was like a yoke on a lot of fucking like it is the thing that brought down a lot of early fucking Adventure Time. Like, if you trimmed half the episodes out of an Adventure Time season, you're actually still fine. Because <laughs> there's only, like, Steven Universe, to its credit, made 52 episodes that really progressed a story. And I feel like Adventure Time really struggled with being able to generate that much content. Sometimes like I like the filler episodes in Adventure Time. I think they're funny or whatever, but like there was always it always felt like there's filler episodes and story episodes in Adventure Time. And I never really feel like that with Steven Universe. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that the filler episodes in Adventure Time are bad. They're just decidedly more fillery than like the Steven Universe ones are. Uh, but uh, so prepare yourselves we are moving toward the season one finale we're getting new art for season two uh I'm excited. it looks oh did i send you the clean lines no it's pretty much the same picture as i sent you before except cleaned up a little bit nice yeah. uh lou's doing our art again shout out to lou i don't know if lou listens to the show or not uh we should have lou on the show and be like lou you did all the art for our show welcome <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, we're going to try and start line. I'm going to try and start lining up, uh, guests for season two. We have at least one in mind. Uh, if there's people you want us to talk to, tell us, we'll, we'll try and talk to them. Uh, like, you know, like if you think there's some people that you would want to hear the opinions of Steven Universe about mixed in with ours, definitely hit us up. Um, the uh, uh you know if if you guys want to tweet at don't tell them i told you to do this if you guys want to tweet at uh, like zcm jackson um um who am i missing zc and liz uh it's because i did that i didn't do them in their combos <laughs> it threw me yeah, off yeah i was uh i was about to say yeah. uh if you want to tweet at any of those four people who basically are the direct inspirations for this show uh you know, tweet at them. Don't tell them we tweet, told you to tweet at them. It makes us look way less cool. <laughs> Don't do that, though. I would die. Uh, tweet at Austin Walker, though. Fuck it. Because I know he's not paying attention. Oh, my attention. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's not paying attention because he's not on FTL yet. Who I lo- like, you know who I love? Like, I would... Obviously, I would love to have Steven or not Steven Universe, Austin Walker. <laughs> Steven Universe made a person, frankly, uh, I feel like if you Steven Universe was Austin Walker's age, I bet he would be like Austin Walker. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, you know who I honestly of the FTL or not FTL, the uh, uh, fat crew I would love to have on, I think would be hilarious. Sylvie. I would say Sylvie or Allie. Yeah, but I think for different reasons, I think Sylvie would just be a fucking riot. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be some very emoji drone energy up in mm-hmm. here, but also like 
I feel like Allie has very similar vibes to the both of us. It's true. It's true. I feel like Allie would be, or if you put Sylvie in here, it's going to be like, honestly, when we get like possibly like some other people on here, where it's just going to push my personality up to a trillion, like it has a tendency yeah. to do. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so prepare. We're moving toward the end. Get excited for a guest next, uh, next week. Not next week, but you know, you know the bit at this point. Um, if you're not, listen to other shows on our network. Listen to August's other show, uh, Equestria Gaze, where they watch My Little Pony, and they have very good takes about My Little Pony. Aw, thank you. Um, or if you like Animorphs, go listen to Escafil Files with Jade and Danielle. I haven't listened to that show because I'm scared of getting poisoned by canon. Uh, but Same. I'm sure I'm sure it's very good. Also, both of those shows have better runtimes than us. <laughs> Uh, though I did feel very good about our runtimes this week because I looked at the runtime for fucking uh, fucking Shriek Shack and it was three fucking hours long. <sighs> There's a reason why I'm not going to be caught up until they're done. Yeah. Well, I guess in their defense, like their takes are becoming bigger because they're reaching the end of the series at this point. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like we're probably going to when we do the season finale, we're probably going to it's probably going to be an, a, a two hour plus episode. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and that's essentially where they're getting to, you know, but. um, uh, Brian. Yeah. I'm posting a thing in the music's uh, in the music channel just for oh, you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, in that in that sense, if you're not part of our discord, come join our discord. We've got a good discord. Uh. It's one of my favorite discords. Uh, I'm not I'm biased because it's ours. Right. But I feel like we generate good conversations. We have a whole lot of good people. Everybody's very nice. We have a, a, a wide selection of subjects. We hang out regularly. If you ever want to just be in voice chat with me in August, you can while they play. Wow. And I play not wow because I'm not going to play. Wow. None <laughs> of you can make me do yeah. it. <laughs> I don't I I. I can't even justify it. I can't. Yeah. Well, everybody's. Pl- I don't know what happened. I turned my back for two seconds, and now everybody in the <laughs> server's playing WoW again, except for me. I'm gonna go back to playing Call of Duty. I think, just despite you. Oh all. my god. Uh. I mean, Zach's not playing WoW. That we know, but yeah, it's because Zach. <laughs> like Zach would be playing WoW if uh, if the crushing weight of like being a student under under capitalism wasn't destroying him slowly or quickly frankly not really slowly anymore (laughs) yeah fair shout outs to zach uh but yeah check out our other shows you probably already do um get prepared we love you i believe it's your turn this week august all right well then i would like to admonish everybody to Be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.